lenders are scrambling. You got to figure something out or you start laying people off as we've seen a lot of companies who sounded like they're really great companies and then they lay off thousands of people or hundreds of people and their business is at a tailspin, right? So that, that's happening out there. Now, people reemphasizing on wholesale is absolutely going to happen because that's where the market's going. It's, it's not even close. Everyone understands it. People know that wholesale lending is going to grow because brokers are going to grow. Brokers are independent loan officers that are not captive to one lender, not captive to me, not captive to anyone. They're independent. And if I'm a loan officer, why would I want to be captive? I'd rather be independent. And so it's happening. Hey folks, this is Clayton Collins, the CEO at HW Media. And today I'm joined by the CEO of the nation's largest wholesale lender and the nation's largest purchase lender, Matt Ishbia of UWM. This is a great conversation where Matt and I dive into some of the housing economics topics that matter to everyone in the housing economy across real estate and mortgage lending. Talk about demographics and borrower trends and how those economic topics are tying into UWM's approach to product innovation. And uh, UWM's rolled out some some interesting uh, bank statement loan products for self-employed borrowers, dipping into the non-QN landscape and really doing a lot to fully address this hard shift to purchase that the entire housing economy is focused on in 2022. But it sounds like it is a shift that UWM made years ago and is readily prepared for. Hope you enjoy this conversation with Matt Ishbia, president and CEO at UWM. Well, thanks for being available to, to jump on Housing News. Really excited to, to talk with you today. The, uh, the housing market is always exciting. Uh, the last few months, the last couple of years have been uh, no- nothing but feels like we're chasing a new challenge or a new opportunity around every corner. And um, UWM has also often been the the focus of a lot of the, those stories as you've been building the the largest wholesale lender in the country, the largest purchase originator in the country. Um, sounds like you've been been busy the last few years and busy this quarter. How's everything going for you at UWM? It's going great. Business has been great. Uh, brokers are really succeeding, doing well. Obviously, the market has been turbulent from a rates perspective, different than a lot of people expected as of December 31st to where we are you know, now at the end of March. Um, so things have changed a little bit, but I think uh, you know a lot of independent mortgage brokers were prepared. And are and if they're not weren't they're getting prepared now and we're helping guide them. And you know, UWM is having a great quarter and looking forward to having a great year together with our clients. Yeah, the rates are wild. I I just pulled the the MBA finance forecast reports for for March, which came out yesterday, and then January, um, you know, just sixty days old at this point. And the MBA was forecasting a thirty year fixed rate to conclude twenty twenty two at four percent in January, and um, that that forecast has been revised up to to four point five um, in the in the March forecast. So kind of a a wild change in, in 60 days for rate forecast and, and actual rates. What, what, what are you seeing right now? Uh, we're recording this episode on, um, on March 22nd and kind of how are, how are you coaching originators, the brokers that you work with to, to maneuver this rapidly changing rate environment? Yeah. Well, the market's changing a lot and it's, you know, what people, you know, obviously 
I always joke, and it's no disrespect to the NBA, but I don't think they've ever got a projection right their whole lives, right? So it's nice to be able to project and never have anything, any accuracy. They, they thought rates would be three and a half. No, they're four and a half. They think they're, you know, some years they said they're not going to ever. And no, by the way, if anyone actually knew what rates would do, they'd make a lot more money doing something outside of mortgages. So it's no disrespect. The reality is you got to deal with whatever happens. And right now rates went up. Rates are four and a quarter, whatever they are, three and a high, low fours, mid fours right now. And that's what the game is. And the reality is the rate and term game, the refinancing your past clients is, is, is not a game right now. And so you have to figure out how do you do purchase? How do you cash out? How do you differentiate yourself with real estate agents? How do you talk to builders? How do you open up products a little bit? And yet, yet, yet to play a different game than it was in 2021, in March of 2021, you know, you 2.75, you know, you walked into a grocery store and got seven loans, right? And now it's a little different. And so people that have great business plans and it's going to separate the, the, the winners from the pretenders, right? And, uh, you're going to see that throughout the mortgage industry this year. And uh, I think a lot of brokers are prepared. And the ones that, like I said, aren't, they're coming out to UWM for success, track. They're coming out to get better. They're trying to learn. And they will find ways to succeed if they want to. So one of the articles that Logan Motoshami published for us last week, I think he called the housing market savagely unhealthy, which, which feels wild. When we look at a market where demographics are great, there's demand on the purchase side, um, home price appreciation makes homeowners feel great, but certainly makes it a little bit harder for, for those that are trying to, to enter the home market. As you think about the health of the, of the housing market and the opportunity that originators have in front of them, how do you kind of weigh this funky dynamic between really good demographics that could support a healthy housing market and really terrible inventory, which just makes everything more challenging for everyone around the table? Yeah, you know, it's, it's obviously there's a little bit of pent up you know, uh, issues because of COVID and some things that happened. And so that I think it's working itself out. You know, I think the conversation about low inventory and everyone's bidding over every, that's not going to last throughout this year. By the, by the, by the fourth quarter after purchase season, it will be a more normalized market in our opinion. And so there's some things that are happening that are a little different. There's some, you know, big investment firms coming in and buying a lot of houses, which takes up some of the supply, which then makes first time home buyers have to bid up to get a property. There's some nuances in there. Um, but the reality is this, is that the market, if you're doing purchase business, you're busy and you're going to be busy. The market's going to be strong. There's going to be opportunity to grow and succeed. And if you're not doing purchase business, you're going to have to figure out how to do some. And it doesn't mean you can't do cash out refinance. doesn't mean you can't do other nuances. But the reality is that's where the business is. You know, refinances, we've done all those refinances. Everyone refinanced in the last two years. So now it's, okay, where, where are the people that are looking to buy new homes? And yeah, if inventory was a little, if there's 4 million, 5 million more homes out there, it'd be easier to get some of those purchases. But that's not where it is right now. It will evolve. And I think, you know, the reality is stay positive, work hard, find avenues to grow. And as a loan officer, you don't have to go from doing, you know, 100 loans a month as a loan officer to 120, you're probably going from doing five loans or 10 loans a month to 12. So still growing, but it's, it's not like it, the, the overall number is not that big of a number to grow from. You can do it. It's just a mindset and a decision. You're gonna have to work harder to do it this year than you did last year. Yeah. I mean, it's the same kind of mindset of being a small business operator. You don't necessarily need massive tailwinds of market growth if you can grab market share. And I think that's probably the opportunity for purchased focused originators. You mentioned um, working with real estate agents and brokerages and, and home builders. What, what do those, some of those conversations look like for you today? And, um, and what sense are you getting from the real estate brokerage community and the home building community that they, they may be supporting um, more inventory coming to market in, in 2022 that might help change some of the d- dynamics that we're facing today? 
Well, I think you know the the the, the thing is. Brokers, loan officers, or if you want to talk real estate brokers, you know they're in the weeds of the business. They're they're actually out on the streets talking to people. And so, you know, from you know the MBA to Fannie Mae to Freddie Mac, even to you and I sitting here and talking about what's going on in the streets, it's a different level. And these guys are actually in the weeds talking about it every single day. How do I see it playing out? And what do I think? You know, it's is going to happen for some of these, you know, opportunities. And how is it going to loosen up with supply and demand? You know, people with rates going up, affordability goes, it, it gets a little bit harder. So people buying houses, I used to be able to afford a $300,000 house uh, with 3% rates. Now I can only afford a $280,000 house with a 4.5% rate. That's a difference, right? So you're gonna, so that will just, all instead, instead of five people bidding a house, there'll be two or three people bidding a house. That dulls the overbidding and all the things that happen. So it will naturally happen. There's still pent up demand from COVID. It will naturally slow down. And you know, you'll know you see a very healthy purchase market in the end of the third quarter, beginning of fourth quarter. And then we'll see if it continues through the you know the, the slower part of 2022 and early 2023. But uh, right now it's hot. If there's a buyer that's ready and they bid on a house, they're getting it or they're not getting it, but it's moving fast. And if you can't close a loan with no contingencies or very few contingencies. So this thing moves fast. In the days of I'm a, I'm a loan officer and my client is going to close, we'll give us 60 days to close. Like you're not getting a loan. That's going to a broker that's going to do it in 15 days or 20 days or even eight days and differentiate themselves with a purchase contract. So how is I, the, the closing timeline is, you know, a fascinating topic because there's so many different moving parts to getting a, to getting a real estate transaction closed. We know appraisal has historically been one of the challenges to getting loans to close in 15 or, or, or eight days. What challenges are you seeing in market to brokers being able to compete on timeline and actually being able to get loans closed faster than they might, um, the borrowers might be able to get elsewhere? And, and what is UWM doing to support that? Yeah, well, that's a big advantage mortgage brokers have is right. They have the, the the consistency that they can close loans in you know clear to close in days, right? Literally, and you know with some of the technology we've come out with the bolt, they could get certainty approval from the largest purchase loan in the country in minutes, right? And so there, there's nuances out there that um, brokers have advantages on, and I think it's quite honestly why a lot of retail loan officers are starting to look around and saying, "Gosh, I'm always I'm charging my clients higher rates." And I'm not getting better service or better technology. What am I doing here? And that's why they're moving to the broker channel. And so, you know, I think that's going to continue that that migration. And you know, speed makes a difference, right? Oh, my! It's a 45 day contract. I don't have to close right now. Well, getting it clear to close in nine days and calling both agents and saying, "Hey, I'm ready to close whenever you guys are. Just let me know." That that's powerful. That gets referrals. That grows your business rather than some of these big clunky companies. Oh, well, we'll get it done on day 44 and a half and we'll get it done. Like that's not going to work long term. And, uh, you know, this is going to be a competitive market. The winners are going to win. You're going to see people standing out. You're going to see companies fall off significantly and see other companies take that market share. It's going to be an interesting year. But to, to really get nine days, you need an appraisal waiver, right? Like, is there any other way to get a, like, to act? No. Talk me through to help all me day. understand that. Appraisals all day, nine days. No, that, that's just what people like to say. Are there places that take longer appraisals? Yeah, if you're, if it's not being handled the right way. We're getting appraisals done in three, four, five days. There's desktop appraisals now through Fannie and Freddie Mac. Does your lender offer that? Does the AMC or the place doing appraisal offer that? Are the appraisers doing it? You know, No, you don't need an appraisal waiver to do a CTC in nine days. We're doing it all the time with full appraisals. Now, you know, do appraisals take four or five business days? Yeah, some of them do. Some of them get done in two days. Appraisal waivers obviously get you done instantly. But you know, it's it's a losing mentality for someone to be like, I can't get a clear to close that quick. I can't do it. 
That's why you're losing, right? The people that are actually doing it and closing loans fast are having that happen right now. It's not a talked about thing. It's actually happening all the time. So was that something, did that start happening faster after you introduced appraisal direct or tell me more about kind of the, the innovation that you've been doing in the appraisal space and, and how you're actually able to achieve these two, three, four, five day timelines. Yeah. I mean, appraisal direct made a big difference. What it did is it first off paid appraisers the full amount. Second off held appraisers highly accountable. And third off, it put a lot of pressure on the AMCs and everyone else that's in this business to say, Hey, I better step up or I'm going to lose my business. And so the reality is it's made a big difference and brokers can feel it. Now, does it mean that there are appraisals that, appraisals that take 10, 12 days? Of course, there are some that still take those timelines. But to think that you can't get a clear to close in nine days um, is, is, is crazy. It's crazy. It's happening all the time. Today, this day, last month, the month before, it happens all the time. And so if you don't have that in your opportunity to do, get a, you know, because what our brokers are doing is they're going out to real estate agents and saying, listen, let's, let's do a purchase contract for 15 days or 18 days. I'll take care of it. No contingencies. I'm not sitting contingent on appraisal. I got this right. And they can, now it's almost as good as cash because cash after inspection still takes 15 days. Like, so you're now, you're a level playing field. And now the brokers with buyers are winning those deals. And so it's just, but if you're aligned with a lender, they can't do that taking 40 days or, Oh, it's a 30 day contract. Let's take our time. You know, okay. You know, once again, it's going to be a really competitive year. You're going to see some interesting numbers, interesting things happen. You know, a lot of things, everyone looks good when rates are two and a half, find out what happens when look at when they're four and a half and find out who the real players are. And I guess the numbers will show. So, I'm going to, I'm going to come back to appraisal a little bit more. So I, I know it's watching UWM from the outside, watching you, it's like very clear to see you're a, an iterative executive an iterative, uh, operator when it comes to bringing new things to market, adjusting, testing, um, taking the best and, and running forward. What have been some of the things you've learned through the appraisal direct experience and, uh, what's kind of changed with the, the program and the strategy as you've, you've got this capability out in market quickly and, and, you know, have are you know, constantly evolving to meet your client's needs. Yeah. Well, I think you just said it then always find out what your client needs. What are their clients, you know, barriers, objections, issues, and solve for them. And that's what appraisal direct was about. And you know what? Now there's new objections, new issues that clients have. And I'm going to solve for those too. And you'll hear more about that stuff coming to Like we're always coming up and finding out. And the thing is you got to actually know what your clients need. So for LOs, what do the consumers and realtors need? For lenders like myself, what do my LOs and broker shops need, right? Would they need help recruiting? They need help with marketing. They need help with new products. They need help with appraisals. Which one is it? I go to where they need help and where I can solve. And that's what we have to do to be successful. And a lot of people like to, oh, well, we've done this before. Will we tried that. No, things change. You know, I'm, we're moving quick over here and we got to move quick because the market doesn't wait for you. You got You got to adapt. And so we're, we're, we're listening to the client. And I think that's the best thing we do. We, you know, we have 300 to 350 clients fly to Michigan, Pontiac, Michigan, every single week to get trained different types of training. And I go and spend time with them. And I ask them, what are we seeing? What do you need? What's out in the market? I'm personally getting, I'm not getting it through seven different people. I'm talking to people that are actually on the streets. And then I say, oh, good idea. We can do that. And then we go implement it and execute. So I know you don't love the the economist forecast, but the, the forecast for, for purchase businesses is, is relatively flat in, in 2022. And I know you're anticipation and business planning is, is, is not. So, so what are some of the ideas that you're hearing from, from brokers that you're, you're hearing from your team that, that could be market share drivers in, in 2022, where, where you're investing your time to grow? 
Well, a couple of things, like where are the loan officers getting their business? How do we help them? So there's a couple of ways we're going to grow. Every loan officer we work with at UWM, all the brokers throughout the country, how do we help them do one more loan a month? How do we help them get in with real estate agents? How do I help them you know, procure better leads you know, from, a, from a purchase perspective or even a refinance perspective? You know, how do we give them the products they need to make sure that, the, that if there's a loan that they have, they can send it to UWM so they can get that same experience, that same technology that they get on the regular conventional. And so can I open up the product box a little bit? You know, all these things are part of the game this year. The other thing is, how do we land more loan officers in the broker channel? Educating loan officers about the brokers, educating consumers about brokers, find a mortgagebroker.com, all these places. And so there's a there's a 12-step game plan that we're working through and making sure we execute it flawlessly to give ourselves the best chance to not only take market share, but to even grow and to, to win money, win market share, win business, win for our brokers in 2022. We, um, we've heard from across the industry, the opening up the product box is an important 2022 priority. Um, been a lot of focus on non-QM heard a lot of lenders talking about their reverse business or potentially bringing reverse into the origination cycle last, I believe it was last week. Um, y'all announced a, uh, a, a new product for a bank statement loan product for self-employed borrowers. Can you tell us more about your, like what opening the product box means at EWM and, and what we should, ex- what we should anticipate from a product innovation or, or new product perspective as we look forward? Yeah. So, you know, listen to our clients, finding out what our clients, type of loans our clients do. So we have different standards here at UWM. We're not doing 590 FHA loans. We're not doing, you know, I'm not doing loans and I don't think people are going to pay them back. I'm not doing non-QM where one day out of bankruptcy, I'm going to do this loan. Like I'm doing high quality loans where, you know, you or I, Clayton, if I lent them the money, I it's like lending your own personal money. Are they going to pay you back? If you feel like they'll pay you back and it's a quality loan, then I'm willing to do that type of product. And so the bank statement loan or other programs that we will roll out, um, I think will differentiate where what we will do at UWM. And the thing is, brokers are doing some of these loans. And if doing these loans and sending to lenders that, you know, take 40 days, you know, I've heard one too many stories about a broker doing a bank statement loan or a DSCR loan, right? Investor, you know, service coverage. Yeah, doing one of these loans that blows up. And the real estate agent that referred it to him said, I'm never talking to that guy again. And I'm thinking to myself, well, stop using those other lenders. I'll roll the product out and I'll do a great job for you. Because that real estate agent was referring five conventional loans to that same broker. I was getting those. The one bank statement loan that they sent to some other you know, lender, which I won't name, right, blew it up, blew up the relationship. And now that loan officer lost business. Your reputation is everything. And so what we talked about is, hey, listen, we know brokers count on us, UWM, to be able to deliver what they need. And so I figured we'd open up the product box as long as it's high quality stuff to help these brokers do these loans. I don't care if it's QM, non-QM, conventional, FHA, VA. As long as it meets the quality criteria that we want and we can do, we'll help some of these brokers. Yeah, I think the, the housing news audience knows not to confuse non-QM with uh, the, some of the other past product innovations of the past. I think we, we all um, get the quality that uh, that the underwriting standards are in, in the current non, non-QM landscape. So at UWM, as you think about introducing new products, non-QM specifically, and like the, the bank statement product, do you, do you do that through a, a correspondent partner? Or is this like, like what, how, how do you innovate with product? Like how do you introduce a non-QM from a, from a funding perspective? So, well, we have multiple ways. We can obviously partner with um, some of the largest, you know, institutions in the world, or we can also, you know, do it ourselves. And so we have both options at us, you know, private label securities, selling them to different people. We have options out there. So we can create products. We can come up with new ideas. As long as it's quality, we'll look at doing it. Quality that makes sense for the consumer. Um, 
then it makes sense for the broker. It makes sense for UWM, obviously. So that's how we're looking at it. We have a lot of different options and avenues um, to uh, you know do these types of products while still delivering the technology service that UWM is known for. Yeah. So have, as you've kind of entered these new product areas, have you done some like market sizing on like what the potential is for UWM and in the in the bank statement territory? Are there are there other product areas where you see being like kind of significant components of the 2022 or or, or Q2 2022 origination uh, mix? I don't see them as significant components. No, you know, I think people talk about non-QM and this and that. Everyone likes to talk about it because it's something different, but you know, you'll run the numbers at some point and you'll see that it's like less than five to 10% of the business. It's not, it's not moving the needle for anyone, not for me, not for a broker, not however, what the, and that's why I used to not roll those out. But now what it's doing is it's moving the needle on blowing up relationships with lenders that are saying they're non-QM lenders and then they just pull locks or they're saying they're non-QM lenders and they don't underwrite it for 30 days or they're saying they're not. And that makes my brokers look bad. And so now I'm getting involved and saying, hey, if the brokers are, you know, I can't have the brokers looking bad and burning real estate relationships or burning consumer relationships because brokers are better. Brokers have a better process. Brokers have a better, And if they're not getting that, then, then it's not reality. So we have to make sure it's reality. And that's why even though the products won't be you know, we're not going to be doing 30 billion of non-QM, but at the same time, if it, if it, if it moves the needle a little bit and helps brokers succeed, then we're going to do it. it does, I, I've heard a lot of people iterate the importance of kind of specialization and, and origination. Does it for a lender, for an originator, an LO broker who has not done non-QM before, do they need to get on a plane and go up to success track to learn the product and know how to actually help their realtor and, and, and borrowers uh, with, with this new product? Or is it like, t- tell me about like the learning curve to uh, to kind of get outside of like the the, the typical um, Fannie Freddie box. I don't think it's that complicated. You know, I don't think it's that. I mean, of course, they come out to success track. We'll train them on anything they want. But talk to the sales rep. Talk to our account executives who help them guide them through the process. It's not that complicated. These are, these loans are much more simplistic. You got to read the guidelines. You got to understand the guidelines. But mm-hmm. the, the key is there's there's nuances and understanding that the way that income is calculated on this is different the way. And you have to understand those things. And that's where a lot of those loans blow up because people don't understand them up front. And so I think knowledge is key in almost anything. If you're an expert, you're a loan officer, you got to know the guidelines under the product and, and you got to have access to calling someone and asking them that. Nobody knows everything. So you have to just have access to the resources that do know those answers. And now we're going to take a, a really quick break for this week's edition of the Mortgage Minute brought to you by Angel Oak Mortgage Solutions. Hi, I'm Tom Hutchins with Angel Oak Mortgage Solutions with today's non-QM Minute. Originators new to non-QM always ask, what is the best way to get started? My answer is always the same. Simply jump right in. If you need a path, why don't you start by attending our monthly product webinar to learn more about the programs? That'll give you a head start on recognizing when a potential deal might actually exist. But you don't need to know every detail. Send a scenario to us and learn about non-QM while you're closing it with us. We are known for educating the market on non-QM. We've been doing this a long time. We can help you find these borrowers and show you how to market to them. Another thing that's very popular is that we will present to your realtor contacts and we can be there as your non-QM expert. As a leader in the space, send us a scenario and let's get it closed. There's no better way to learn than to do. And that's today's non-QM Minute. Matt, a few weeks ago, I had uh, Christy Furco on and, and kind of her capacity as chairwoman at the NBA. And um, one, of the, one of the topics we, we talked about was lenders, um, both bank and non-bank, uh, their, their strategies around retaining servicing. And uh, 
we know, and it's the, the, the beauty of now having publicly traded non-banks like UWM, we do get to kind of get a look under the covers and annual and, and quarterly reports. And, um, and, uh, and I seen some reporting, I, I believe from inside mortgage finance and others that some pretty big tranches of servicing rights came to market in the, in January and in, in the first quarter. And one of the things that Christy and I were talking about is like what, what trends are out there are, are non-banks or, and, or depositories starting to de-emphasize the, the focus that came up in 2020 and 2021 on, on retaining servicing, or does that, that focus maintain into, um, or continue through 2022 and onward. How, how, what has your, been your strategy on retaining MSRs and, and how is that changing or, or not as we, as we look forward? Yeah. So we, we, you know, it's, it's, it's a good question to understand that we retain almost all of the servicing we have for a long time. Um, we plan on continuing to do that. Um, you know, what, what, one of the things being a public company and just being a company out there, you want to make sure that when you're valuing your servicing, that it's, it's aligned with what the market actually dictates. And so every once in a while, you got to test the waters and say, Hey, you know, sell 10 billion of the servicing or, you know, 3000 loans or whatever the number is, um, you know, to say, or, you know, 20,000, whatever the number is, you know, sell whatever amount of loans you want to sell and see, Hey, do we get the price that we thought it was worth? So that, cause that's how you know what something's value is. And so, um, UWM strategy is going to be very similar, similar to that. We're going to retain almost everything we, ser- we, we bring in. We will sell periodically, opportunistically service sales. You'll see that we've, we'll sell some here and there. Um, it won't be, you know, incremental to our volume because the reality is if we're going to do, you know, a couple hundred billion, I'm not selling a couple hundred billion of servicing. So it, it, it's, it's not going to move the needle. Our servicing book will continue to grow, but you do want to test the market to validate what your values are. Cause I think some companies, you know, value their MSRs way above what they're worth and, and some maybe under, under was worth. So how do you know what it's worth? Like, you know what it's worth by selling it occasionally. And so we've done that. If we ever sell servicing, um, we always put non-solicits on, 36-month non-solicit on a deal we recently did, which means that nobody can call the clients for 36 months, um, no, none of the place that buys it. So we, we always protect the brokers, first and foremost. And second, we've got to test the market. But third, reality is we're going to keep most of our servicing in 2022 as well. That's interesting. I hadn't really thought of you know, selling small tranches as kind of a, a mark-to-market strategy on on testing your balance sheet assumptions. Uh, in the rising rate environment that we are in right now, how how are current market conditions impacting MSR our valuations? Well, valuations are going up, right? You know, so you know the the likelihood of a borrower refinancing or selling their house or paying off a mortgage that's at two point eight seven five uh, when rates are four and a quarter isn't very high. You know, most likely unless they're moving, you know, relocation, they're not selling their house and not they're not getting a new mortgage, and so. Um, it's it, the valuations are going up, right? And so I think that that's something people have to understand. Now, the new originated loans aren't values aren't going up. So a loan at four and a half is not going up, but the loans that you did before are worth more. And there's a lot of people, and there's also a lot more, a lot less business out there. So people that depend on buying MSRs, they're very hungry for it because not, they don't have access to it. And a lot of lenders that used to do 20 billion a year now are doing 8 billion a year, right? And so now all of a sudden they don't have as much product out there. So supply demand issues. And so people are willing to pay a lot more for it. And uh, we're seeing that right now in the market. And I'm saying that's how we figure that out by testing the market every once in a while. And then, then we just keep originating loans. That makes sense. I, I, that conversation with Christy sticks out to me because that, that segment of the podcast was shared pretty widely with amongst people who do buy uh, MSRs for a living. And uh, I think they, they took that conversation to mean that there'd be a lot more MSRs coming to market that, that they could buy as, and you know, that, that's, that's kind of exciting um, for, for them. So do, do you think the, when you think of 
the public markets view of MSRs. Do you think, you know, with a couple years of not, not just free WM, but other publicly traded non-banks uh, under a couple of years of performance under the belt, the public markets are starting to understand the value of MSRs and, and, and seeing that as a, a significant enterprise value driver for non-banks? No, I don't, I don't think the public markets understand it at all, to be honest with you, um, and the valuations and how it really works. And so, no, I don't see it. We, you know, we've only been public for a little bit over a year. Um, and, you know, I think, I don't know who the first non-bank rocket or guild maybe was maybe a year and a half. So it's still new, but I don't think the public markets understand MSRs or understand the values and how it really will work. And, and they'll learn over time, just like any, anything, you know, it takes time for people to understand and see it. And it's got to go through a cycle or two. And once they see that, they'll understand the value and the difference between mortgage lenders. As I pointed out earlier, some lenders will be growing, some lenders will be shrinking, and some lenders will be gone. Yep. And uh, you'll see how that happens in uh, 2022 and 23. That's, a, that's interesting. Um, yeah, that's, I think, I think t- t- time will tell. Our, 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 I, the, the analysts that are covering the space, um, seem to know their stuff to an extent. I mean, I, there's a few that I follow. Well, your eyebrows peaked a little bit on that one too. Um, but uh, do, do you think like the, the, the public equity analysts are, are hinging on the, the right components of like of, of value drivers for, for non-banks and can they be, and should they be a market educator for the broader market understanding EVs? Of- you know, I don't know if that's their role, if they're going to be the, the ones educating people. I, I, I don't know. There are some that understand it very well, by the way. Um, and then there's some that don't understand it at all, right? And 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 I don't know if people weight their opinions differently or not. So you know, it's interesting to see. You know, it, to me, time will tell. You'll see. You know, everyone sounds real great until you, you know, until you actually has to actually you have to execute a game plan, right? Everyone's plans and stories and ideas are really great until you actually have to run the play. Everyone said their business will be really great when rates go up. Until rates go up, you'll find out, right? Everyone says they do a lot of purchase until. You actually got to do purchase to show your volume. And so you'll see, like I said, everyone's got a plan until it actually actually has to deliver on it. And so the public markets will see that. And I think what will happen is so many public, uh, to give the analysts a little credit here is so many companies went public at the same time. It's hard to tell the difference. Oh, they're all mortgage insurance. They're all making a lot of money. They're non-bank. They say this wholesale, retail, you know, they, they don't know. And if that's, they haven't been covering our space. They'll see. They'll, they'll understand it. Uh, you know, talk to me in 12 months after 2022. And then what they'll do is I'll tell them, go back and play the road show when we went public, go back and play the road show when these other companies went public and then see who said one thing and then delivered it and then see who said one thing. And it's, Oh, what this happened. And I didn't expect this. And Oh my goodness. You know, and so you'll see. And, and we're excited about it because you know, I'm 42 years old. We're young. You know, I'm, I'm not going anywhere for a long time. We're going to build this thing for a long time. People will see that stuff and, um, we'll help educate the whole market. So as we talk about everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face or whatever the saying is, um, one of the plans that we see popping right now is, um, kind of a a newfound appreciation for, for multi-channel. And we've seen a few more lenders, um, deepen their emphasis on wholesale, um, or, or enter wholesale. Um, so let's talk about the wholesale market for a minute. How, How has the wholesale market how the wholesale market overall trend through 2020 and 2021 and, and how do you see that changing as the the proverbial punch in the face happens as refi has fallen off a cliff in the last six months? Yeah. So, I mean, first off, on the first point, lenders are scrambling. People, if you don't have a plan, like you said, and you get punched, now you got to figure something out or you start laying people off as we've seen a lot of companies who sounded like they're really great companies and then they lay off thousands of people or hundreds of people and their their, 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 their business is at a tailspin, right? So that that's happening out there. 
Now, people reemphasizing on wholesale is absolutely going to happen because that's where the market's going. It's, it's not even close. Everyone understands it. People know that wholesale lending is going to grow because brokers are going to grow. Brokers are independent loan officers that are not captive to one lender, not captive to me, not captive to anyone. They're independent. And if I'm a loan officer, why would I want to be captive? I'd rather be independent. And so it's happening. We had the January and February were back to back the biggest months ever where people went to beamortgagebroker.com, which is a website where loan officers can go to, to go talk about, hey, can I start a broker shop or can you connect me to a broker shop? All time record months, January and February. March is going to pass both those months. It's not done yet, obviously, but it's going to pass both those months. That's happening. You can't stop it. So what happened is lenders say, all my LOs are leaving and going to brokers, like, why don't we do something? Why don't we buy them from there, over there? Yeah, well, come on over to the space, you know, figure out the wholesale game and, and see how that goes. And that's fine. I want more great wholesale lenders out. We, we love the wholesale lenders out there because once people are starting, just like you're talking about it, Clayton, now, now the narrative, back to my point about the public, the narrative of wholesale is growing and brokers, like, it's not something I just said. It's actually happening. Brokers are going to win. Brokers were not relying on just churning a servicing portfolio because they didn't have a servicing portfolio. Brokers are growing. Everyone who you know, has two eyes and is in this industry knows that and is going to the wholesale channel to try to stay ahead. UWM is here. We, we've been in the wholesale channel for a long time and we're going to be strong and help our brokers win. So let's, let's put some numbers to the, the, the wholesale market. Um, I know in the past I've heard, heard you talk about goals for, for market share for the, for the wholesale channel as well as goals for market share within the wholesale channel for, for UWM. Um, what are the, can you remind us of those metrics and, uh, and yeah, we can go a little deeper yeah. there. Yeah. Today, mortgage brokers do one out of five loans. That's how it is. 20% okay. of loans go through mortgage brokers as of, we'll call it, you know, 2021, whatever. Um, that's going to go to 33% by 2025. So in, in three years, you'll see brokers instead of one out of five loans, they'll do one out of three loans, partially because real estate agents are educated, partially because consumers are educated and partially because loan officers are going to join the broker channel. One out of three loans will go through mortgage brokers by 2025. Today. UWM does 30 to 35% of all broker loans. We're going to grow to 50%. We're going to be doing one out of every two loans in the broker channel. The all-time record before UWM was, I think, 9%, you know, you know, years and years ago. So we have massive market share, but it's because we add massive value. Not only help brokers win and grow and succeed, but training, coaching, helping them in every aspect, closing loans fast and efficiently. Like The ante to play is good pricing, good service, good technology. If you don't have that, you're not even on the game. And then you got to take it to the next level, which is what UWM has done and, and why the brokers that partner with UWM have grown faster than the rest of the market. And that's why we're growing faster. So we're going for 50% of the overall channel and the broker channel, which is more of my focus is if the brokers get to 33%, we win. Everyone wins in the wholesale channel. And that's what we're going to do. So what is the, how does the market change when UWM's at, at 50% of, whole, of wholesale market share? Like one of the um, like brokers like to be approved with, with, uh, with multiple lenders and they have someone that maybe their non QM guy and someone who's their straight down the fairway guy and someone else who like does X, Y, Z, like how, how do you want to be seen at UWM when, when brokers think of their kind of Swiss army knife of, of partners, like how do you want them to look at, at you and, 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 and whoever else they look, what does the rest of the market look like? I mean, that's, that's a dominant, that's a powerful position at 50%. 
Yeah, well, so it's very simple, though. But I look at every single loan officer. So you're looking at the overall market. Each loan officer, I'm 80% of the loan officer. I'm 80 to 90% of every loan officer is how I think about it. So I got to get 80 to 90% of Clayton's. He's not going to send me 100% because I'm not doing yep. the 590 FHA. I'm not doing the reverse mortgage, right? Like, I'm not going to be 100%. But if Clayton's doing 10 loans a month, I want nine of them. And that's, I look at every loan officer in America. How do I get nine of them? So I have someone else to give me zero, <laughs> some that give me the nine. Right. And that's what we're balanced. And so 50% is just a number aggregate, you know? Yep. Of course, there's a, I got to get, there's thousands that give me zero. I'm going to get those guys up to 30%, then 70%, then to 90%. And the guys that do 90, the real game with them is if you're doing 10 loans a month and you're doing 90% with UWM, I'm not trying to get that 10th loan. All I'm trying to do is help you go from 10 loans a month to 20, and I'll get 90% of 20, which is 18. So I want to help my, my great partners grow, and I want to bring the guys and gals that aren't working with us to the party. And that's how we'll get to 50%. But once again, the real game is broker growth because UWM will follow the broker channel. I'm fine if UWM's market share goes down, goes backwards, as long as the broker channel grows because we are tied to the broker channel. We are with the brokers. We have no other way to grow besides them growing. Yeah, rising tides. So like that, that, that makes a lot of sense. What are the market dynamics that best support the broker channel getting to 33% and UWM getting to, to 50% of that. Is it is is this rising rate environment the, the best market? What conditions need to exist for you to achieve these goals on the fastest timeline possible? Well, for the brokers, it's it's strictly growth. Loan officers coming over, educating consumers and real estate agents, and having plans to be successful. So we're giving working with each loan officer, giving business plans, giving ways to grow their business, specifically. In Tuscaloosa, Alabama, this is what we can do. Here in this market, let me show you what we can do. Like We're helping everyone across the country. So our number one goal to be successful is get the brokers at 33%. And the way brokers get to 33% is we just get them to do one more loan a month, two more loans a month. That's what we're going to do, okay? That's the game plan. And that's, that's the focus. And then how does UWM get to 50%? Well, once again, if we're helping all these people succeed and we're the best lender for technology, price, service, we're going to get the loans, Right? We're going to get the loans. I'm not concerned about it at all. Just educating brokers of what we're doing, all the technology and all the things that we have to help them win. And so um, we feel really good about it. I'm more focused on the broker channel. UWM is a follower, as in we will follow the broker channel success. We're going to push it as much as we can, but we are, we are part of the broker channel. We are not independent from the broker channel. We are with them. Matt, we're, we're running up on time here, but you just raised a, a keyword that I haven't even got to yet, and that, that's technology. What are the major technology focuses in, in 2022 for your business? And I, of, I often use UWM when I talk about lenders innovating internally and building proprietary technologies because of the, the, sh- the sheer size of the technology team that, that, that you've built and what you've been able to kind of build from a, on a proprietary basis. So what are the focuses in 2022? Um, come on, give us, a little, give us a little tease of what's coming up the pipe. So we got a lot of things, you know, we got a couple of things. Like I said, we're innovating with products, which we already talked about. That's not really technology, but from a technology perspective, Bolt has been a huge, huge success. And so we're doing things with Bolt to help streamline the process so where loan officers can get certainty within minutes of taking applications. And that's what the Bolt approval um, from the number one purchase in the country. It gives them a huge leg up for real estate agents. The other big thing is how do you make things more efficient all the way through the process? You know, we're closing loans in 10, 12, 14 days, right? Nine days, eight days, 17 days, whatever it may be. And how do we make cut a day out of there? How do we cut a day and a half out of there? How do we make things where brokers? And so cutting time is one thing. And how do I make it so that a broker who has four processors, they can to do a hundred loans to make up a number, 
they can have four processors do 125 loans. So therefore, they can all, I'm helping them do more with less. We've got technology things coming out with that. How do we help them? And then the, the last piece is, how do I help them with technology? Go get more loans. Go get more business. Drive in new relationships, whether it's with real estate agents or for consumers direct. Like, how do we do those things? And so we've got some big things coming. You're going to hear about them, and we'll reach out to you when they're coming. But good technology things. And then you got to just make sure the whole process is easy. Right? Like nobody wants a mortgage. They want the house. So how do you make it smooth and easy all the way through from underwriting to closing all the way through to post-closing to servicing? You got to be flawless. And UWM is working on making it even better for brokers. Matt, thank you so much for sharing your time today. Really interesting to hear about all the progress you're making at UWM and everything you're doing to uh, support homeowners and originators and brokers. Have a great one. Thanks for having me. Have a good day. Bam. Now that is a wrap of this week's episode of the Housing News Podcast. Do me a huge favor and go to iTunes and rate this show. And if you leave a comment, you better tune in next week because you might get a shout out. Thank you.